Let us begin the worship of God this morning with Isaiah 41, a chapter that you were to read last evening in preparation for today's worship. Isaiah chapter 41. I hope that without me reminding you in the preparatory email that some or all of you remembered that these precious chapters in the middle of Isaiah from approximately 40 through 48 are referring to Cyrus the Persian. And so when there were references made in this 41st chapter to a man that was coming, it was to Cyrus the Persian. I show you verse 2 that says, Who raised up the righteous man from the east. That's Cyrus the Persian. He's going to be named in the first few verses of 45 and the last few verses of 44. But here he's just referred to as a righteous man from the east who's going to do God's righteousness. Verse 25 tells us, I have raised up one from the north, and he shall come. Again, it's Cyrus, and from the rising of the sun, that's the east. Media and Persia was to the north and east of not only Israel, but of Babylon as well. And so we have here a prophecy in these eight chapters or so, from 40 to 48, of God's deliverance of his people Israel out of Babylon by raising up a man that would bring the Media and Persian armies against Babylon and overthrow the impregnable city that thought and declared she would sit forever the queen of the earth. It was an impossible event, but the Lord prophesied about it 150 years in advance, and so it's one of his favorite events to remind men about because there's no other God that can declare the future like uh, the Lord Jehovah can. Now, I want this passage for you this morning, and I hope that you enjoyed the Lord challenging his idolatrous enemies to bring their very best arguments because they were nothing in comparison to him. From the very first words, Keep silence before me, O islands, and let the people renew their strength. Let them come near. Let them speak. Let us come near together to judgment. This is the Lord challenging idolaters to bring their religious arguments and try to argue with the Lord because He alone can declare the future. None of them can. So the whole chapter and the rest of these chapters are God declaring that He alone is God by His ability to prophesy the future. I, I love the 21st verse. Produce your cause, saith the Lord. He's asking these idolaters... Show me what you've got. Give me your best arguments. Bring forth your strong reasons, saith the king of Jacob. You show the best you've got, and I'll show you what I've got, and we'll see who's a God. And we know the answer to that. It's our Lord Jehovah. But I want to comfort you this morning from this chapter this way. If you read down through the first seven verses, you're going to have the Lord mocking idolaters. However, in the 8th verse, we have one of those inspired disjunctives. That is a conjunctive that is not coordinating, but is setting in opposition the 8th verse to the previous 7. But, and we want to love the inspired buts of the Bible, because it's showing us a contrast. But thou, Israel, art my servant. In contrast to these idiots that are being described in verses 1 through 7, who solder their gods together, that's verse 7, 
And they help everyone trying to get a God put together. And they encourage each other in verse 6 to be of good courage as they work the blast furnace and try to come up with a God. But thou, Israel, art my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. In contrast to God ridiculing these idolaters, he calls Israel his servant, his chosen, and his friend through their three great patriarchs. However, that still isn't where I want to take you this morning. I want to take you to verses Well, verse 10 is wonderful. It says, fear thou not, because that's how I want you to view the God of the Bible. His enemies should fear Him. Our enemies should fear Him. We should not fear Him. Because He tells us, fear thou not. Verses 13 and 14. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not. I will help thee. And here's my favorite words. And are you thankful this morning to be a worm? Fear not, thou worm, Jacob. And ye men of Israel, I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Now some might look at that 14th verse and see the word worm and think to themselves, how horrible for God to call me a worm. I'm terrified of Him. That's not why He's using the word worm. He's just reminding Israel that they had no hope and help in themselves, that they needed Him. I love being the Lord's worm. Bless the Lord that He chose me and called me to be His servant. And through our friend Abraham, and we are the friends of God. And we're worms in ourselves. We're nothing. We're the least of the earth. We're the base, the poor, the foolish. We're the nothings. But He's our helper. And that's all that matters. If the Lord is on our side, who can stand against us? Though we be a worm or not. Fear not, thou worm, Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will help thee. There's that help from verse 10, verses 13 and 14. And that is how we want to love our God. Are you happy this morning to be His worm? I love being his worm. You know, we step on worms. Worms have no strength. They're ugly. They're a nuisance. And so was Israel captive in Babylon. They were nothing. How's a few thousand people going to overthrow this great city, return to Jerusalem and build their temple? Well, Cyrus the Persian did it in one night and then made a decree that he'd pay for whatever would take place in Jerusalem. That's how it happens because the Lord is our helper. Turn to Nahum chapter 1, please. Do not distort the God of the Bible. Do not misread His chapters. Though He's mocking idolaters, He's not mocking His children. He's promising His children that He'll help them. Nahum chapter 1 has some of the most glorious language in the Bible for the terribleness of God. It starts in verse 2. God is jealous. And the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. And it goes on to describe the God of heaven right off the bat in this short three chapter minor prophet this way with this kind of language. 
In verse 5, the mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence, yea, the world, and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. My brothers and sisters, when you read a passage like that, make sure you understand its context. The context was given to you in the first four words. The burden of Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. The Assyrians were the empire before Babylon. The Assyrians were pagan idolaters that hated the God of Israel and mocked him through their ambassador and spokesman Rabshakeh and their wicked king Sennacherib. And this little, these three chapters are about God and what he's going to do to Sennacherib and Rabshakeh. This isn't against you. This is against your enemies. Poor Israel was walled up inside the city of Jerusalem. Hezekiah was petrified even though he was a great God-fearing king. And he took the letter that he got from Sennacherib and laid it before the Lord in the temple and said, look what they're saying about you. And Isaiah the prophet came in and said, there's an answer from the Lord. The virgin daughter of Zion hath laughed thee to scorn. It's a, be- it's a fantastic response that the Lord gives Hezekiah. Don't you read the Bible and find words like this and think, when there's a storm and God sends His lightning, He's trying to throw down the rocks and burn me up. No, He's trying to remind the world there's a God in heaven who's your Father. He's trying to remind you that He's your Father. Because look at the verse 7. The Lord is good. Amen. Now I thought it just said He's jealous. He's revenging, he's furious, he's wrathful, he's anger, he's angry. The mountains quake at him, he's indignant, he's fierce in his anger, his fury is poured out like fire, and it says the Lord is good. What makes the difference? The two objects of the speech, verses 2 through 6 are the enemies of God, verse 7 is you and me, his children. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, not for anyone in Nineveh, And he knoweth them that trust in him. He just doesn't know about them. He doesn't know of them. He knows them affectionately as his people because they put their trust in him. The only ones that put their trust in the Lord Jehovah are his people by election and regeneration. And verse 8, but now we have an inspired disjunctive that wants to jump right back to verses 2 through 6. But with an overrunning flood, he will make an utter end of the place thereof. What place? Your home during a storm or Nineveh? Nineveh. And darkness shall pursue his enemies. What do ye imagine against the Lord? Sennacherib and Rabshakeh. He will make an utter end. Affliction shall not rise up the second time. Now that that is special language. I won't afflict you Assyrians the second time because one time is going to be enough. I'm going to make an utter end of your nation. Those, that's what he does to his enemies and to our enemies. Just a reminder this morning, Isaiah 41, You worm, Jacob, I love you. You're my servant, my chosen, you're my friend. A reminder of Nahum chapter 1, ferocious language against our enemies. Do you know how much Hezekiah wanted to hear Nahum make this kind of a prophecy? It was great. 
glorious. Thank you, Lord. Let us put our trust in Him because it tells us in that seventh verse, He knoweth them that trust in Him. And He's a stronghold the day of trouble for us. And the Lord is good. Praise His name. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank Thee that we can call Thee our Father because we are Your servants. You have chosen us and we are Your friends. The Lord Jesus Christ said to His apostles that He made known to them all things that He had heard of Thee because He was their friend. He did not address them as servants, but as His friends. And we thank Thee that through the Word of God and by Your Spirit, You shed abroad Your love in our hearts and caused us to cry, Abba, Father. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that in the days of Hezekiah, King of Judah, when surrounded by a terrible enemy that had met no opposition in destroying the other nations in that part of the world. You sent him home the same way he came, with 185,000 dead corpses in the field. And when he got home, he went into the temple of his god, Nisroch, and his sons killed him with the sword. O Father, Thou art worthy of all our praise and glory and honor. Thou art good. Thou art a stronghold in the day of trouble. And Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you know us who put your our trust in thee, and that that is not bare knowledge of us and our circumstances, but affectionate knowledge and love of us. We thank thee and praise thee. And though we be worms, and we freely confess it this day, we'll gladly be worms, O Lord, if we are thy worms. Be our helper, O Lord, and comfort us this day and tell us to fear nothing. For thou art with us. Be with us in this assembly. Open the word of God to our eyes and our ears. Lift up our hearts and our spirits. Draw nigh unto us as we draw nigh unto thee. Cause praise to flow from our hearts where our melody is made. Out through our lips and ascend into heaven. Even before thy holy throne. We pray for all your churches. Be with them in their places. Preserve our nation that we and our children might continue to worship Thee in all quietness and godliness. Heavenly Father, protect us from our enemies. Forgive us our sins. Receive our thanksgiving for every good thing You've given us. And help us in this hour to worship Thee acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. And Heavenly Father, we put our trust in Thee. Have mercy upon us now. We love Thee. We thank Thee for Thy Son, Jesus, whom You sent to pay for our sins. Your wrath was poured out upon Him. It's been satisfied forever. We shall be forever with Thee. Help us to remember that You have forever seen us in Christ Jesus the Lord. And it's in His name we pray. Amen.